0: to be here today. Come on, stand to your feet. Everybody clap your hands. Who's ready to get freedom in their world today? Everybody put your hands in the air right now. Put your hands in the air and do a 360 with me. Turn around like this. Your life is going to be 100% revolutionized today. Amen. We're going to be leaving here different because of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. So come on, sing this song with us.
1: We're singing, invading all my weakness. You wrapped me up in grace. The worst of me succeed about the best. Of you.
0: Come on, everybody, jumping!
1: Soul is overwhelmed The worst I've made succeed if i the best of you Stay on
2: sing that song again, we're going to pray in just a moment, but uh, the reason, the reason that uh, it's so important to engage your heart in worship, and it just kind of came to me on the front row, story in Mark chapter 5 of the man from Gadarens, and uh, he had a legion of demons, you know, can can be anywhere up to like 5,000 thousand—a Roman legion, demons living in this man. The Bible says that night and day he lived amongst the tombs and he was cutting himself. There's ever been an epidemic. Anybody who's been involved in youth ministry knows that there's been just an epidemic of people cutting themselves. A self-hatred thing. Kids blame themselves. Mom and dad got divorced. Kids blame themselves for the divorce. If, 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 if maybe I was different, if it's, it's me, I'm the one cutting themselves, break up with boyfriends, girlfriends, cutting themselves. He cuts himself, and he cries out night and day. But it's amazing when you read this story, what you see is the the demons not only torment him, but they isolate him. He's alone. He's disconnected. And uh, the Bible says that when Jesus comes near, it says, verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him it's amazing. I took a photo uh, of the the worship just to put the words and post it on Instagram and felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, worship always precedes breakthrough. And I'm like, well, you know, no, no, when when Jesus comes, he proceeds. God says, no, no, worship. Listen, when you worship, when you worship, you're opening your spirit, you're opening your heart You're actually created to worship God. You are created for connection, divine, divine relationship, divine, like a divine two-way street of flow, correlation, twined in, in lost, in, in worship with God. And when, when you do that, there's a, there's a, there's a purity, there's a beautiful spirit that flows between you and heaven and it cleanses and, it delivers. It sets you up to to have all the things that torment you, all the things that isolate you. Just the guy comes in, the first thing he does is worships. The next thing that happens is he gets to live it. So I want us to sing this song one more time. It, I, I I couldn't think of a greater song to sing, guys. Fantastic choice. You guys have done such an outstanding job. Every song has been, every song has been fantastic. But you know Jesus. Jesus moves in in an atmosphere where he's worshipped. If if you want to see Jesus move in, great power bring great worship. The next chapter, Mark chapter 6, Jesus delivers this guy. The very next chapter, Mark chapter 6, he comes to his hometown and he can't do any mighty miracles in his hometown, can't do any great works in his hometown because of their unbelief. So he walks into an atmosphere where people have got their arms folded and go, yeah, well, we'll see what he's got. And it shuts down his power here worships, gets completely set free. Can I just tell you, you know, today we can look at Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy Connor and say, well, you know, let's see what they can do today. But I'm telling you, you can, it's, it's Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. As you lose your heart, as you engage with Jesus today, I'm telling you, you can be delivered. So come on, let's sing that again. Let's sing it from the top. I, I don't mind. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Come on, guys. to do what he's about to do. Oh, Jesus, deliverance, freedom belongs to you, our great deliverer. We worship you today. Amen, amen, amen. Give someone a high five and just say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Fantastic. You may be seated. Announcements tonight. Everyone say tonight, five p.m. Five p.m. is our normal Saturday evening service time. It is open to the public, and uh, it, it is going to be it is going to be capacity. But uh, the the uh, the conference really is going to culminate tonight. So you'll you'll find that each of these meetings, the anointing will just kind of keep building and keep building and keep building. So, uh, you know, people that may not have made it here today. Get on the blower. Let's bring him here tonight, and uh, and the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, he he is he is just uh, wanting to move. He's wanting to break out. I, I saw last night. It was just such a beautiful reminder why we need to be a Word and Holy Spirit church. Like if ever if you ever needed a uh, a, a kind of stark reminder. Because what happens if you only preach the Word? I'm, I'm all about the Word of God. I love the Word of God. God framed the universe with the Word of God. The Word of God holds everything together. Jesus healed them with the Word. I'm all about the Word of God. But you need to understand that the Word and the Spirit work together. The Bible says the disciples preach the Word, God confirming the Word with signs and wonders following. So the Holy Spirit works in a confirmation, in a partnership with the Word of God. And what can happen is if you just become a word church, brother, we're just a word church. What happens is you 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 preach the word and you teach the word. People receive the word, they respond to the word, and then what ends up happening is that they, they try to live the word. They 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 try just they're gonna pump themselves up, they're gonna motivate themselves, they're gonna focus this year, this is my year, and what ends up happening, they end up living The first thing that happens is we keep failing, we keep failing, and so we feel like, well, you know, we we start living in condemnation and then guilt, and then we think, well, I don't want to live here, so we just put up masks, and then we become, you know, we wear these religious masks, you know, you know, how you doing, buddy? (laughs) Well, blessed and highly favored. (laughs) You know, the truth is everything's falling apart, but we can't, we can't, you know, kind of let down the mask, we can't, and uh, that's why it's so important to actually have a church where the Holy Spirit can move, where He is free to move, where He is free to minister, because what He will do is everything that the the Word teaches, everything the Word instructs, He comes and and confirms, and He delivers one touch from the Holy Spirit, you know, just just the moving of His hand, just His presence falling on your life, sets you free, breaks things. You know, I can remember... um, Gosh, I think I was a Christian about a year. I got saved when I was eighteen on a beach through Christian service, and about a year later, I I remember being in church and the. uh, It was kind of towards the end of the service, and the church that I was going to uh, had a really powerful communion. In fact, they would finish with communion, and so they had communion. They had uh, one of the ministers was sharing communion and, and. I remember taking the the little cup with the the grape juice and the little kind of biscuit thing, the little bread thing, and and I had it in my hand. And then the the minister said, I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to, you know, just picture Jesus hanging on the cross. And when I closed my eyes in this incredibly sacred, holy moment, I had the cup and I had the, the, the bread in my hand, blood and body. And I closed my eyes to see Jesus hanging on the cross. But instead of seeing Jesus hanging on the cross, I saw the most disgusting pornographic images. And I remember just kind of opening my eyes, thinking, oh, man, you know, what is, what is that? So I said, oh, God, you're not here. This is a holy place. You know, what is wrong with me? And so I went to close my eyes again, and there it was again, there it was again. It was just this thing. And it had been with me all through, through my, you know, all through my childhood. I didn't realize that it was something that, you know, <laughs> Dad passed down probably passed down from his dad. Because, you know, the Bible says that I will visit the iniquities of the third and fourth generation. So you can be living with stuff that, you know, great-granddaddy opened himself up to and it's just, it's a little gift, just kind of passed down. It's one of those things, I don't want this, but, you know, it's too late. It's an unfair inheritance. I remember just being in church thinking, man, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Well, about a year after that, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, what was so amazing was uh, when they were praying for me, nothing seemed to be happening. No tongues, no other languages were coming out. But I felt a knot in my stomach and then I felt it rise through here. And then I felt like a, like my face contort, my fist clench, and then I felt a freedom. And from that moment on, never again was I tormented by... And I, mean, this, and I just thought it was normal. I just thought, oh, everybody just lives with this, you know, this these constant graphic images. You know, that you, I couldn't control, but all of a sudden I was free. All of a sudden I was free. Now, I'd been, you know, at that point I'd been a Christian for, you know, two and a half years. I, Jesus sets you free. Jesus sets you free on the day you're saved. But that freedom is outworked. The Bible teaches this. So you and I are trapped in time. The Bible teaches that God is outside of time. God is a trinity. The whole whole universe is built uh, in, in, in trinities. And, and what I mean by that is you are saved you are being saved and one day you will be saved. The Bible says when he comes back, we will be saved. The Bible says those of you who are being saved, the Bible says that we are saved. So there's there's this this triune outworking. So you are delivered, you are being delivered and you will be delivered. You are free, you are being freed and you will be freed. It's an outworking. Jesus already accomplished it on the cross. It's already accomplished on the cross but now you and I are outworking it. And, And the Holy Spirit, he is so gentle. He's so gentle. He's not going to come and just rip everything out at once. He may have to come and, and do you know a series of little operations, but you know week by week, month by month, year by year, you know you'll enjoy new levels of, of freedom as you walk with God. That's why, to me, I I I think I personally, as you know, as kind of the pastor of this church and the, the, the shepherd of this church, responsible for for lives, feel that I, I have to, I need to have uh, you know Pastor Mike come every January. Uh you know, I just know for me. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of hit ceilings every year thinking, man, what can't I break through this thing? And, and then you realize it's this, this dominant thought, this insecurity, this fear, this you know, junk. And I am just thinking, I gotta, you know, we've got to bring and so you know, fasting has opened stuff up. But I, I just want you to know today, today get ready to go to a brand new level of, of freedom. In this house. So without any further ado, now that you've sat down, I want you to stand up again. One more time. Would you welcome the amazing Pastor Mike Connell, all the way from Hastings, New Zealand. (laughs) Aotearoa.
0: Hallelujah. We give you the honor, Jesus. We give you the glory. For the victories this weekend and in this coming year Lord, we open our hearts for all you want to do to receive breakthroughs in our lives and we say holy 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 are you lord we give you all the honor amen spirit of god we welcome you to come you know what we need you know the help we need you know how it needs to be done and so we just invite you to come into the service for every person those around us in front of us behind us that lord every one of us will experience the power of God touching us. Be different people, free people, rise to new levels. Lord, we give you the honor today. Amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you sit down, will you? What awesome musicians. That was fantastic worship. I loved it. It's hard to want to start a meeting when you're in worship like that. Well, yesterday we laid some foundations of deliverance and, uh, and uh, just give you some insight so you understand evil spirits. And uh, we saw that a demon is a spirit being. We saw uh, how they operate. We saw how they try to get into people's lives. Once they're in people's lives, how they begin to affect them and influence them. And uh, today we want to go a bit further and I uh, want to spend quite a bit of time in ministry to people today. But I found that ministry is often built on your faith level being opened up by the Word of God. So I always want to just lay a few things out. So this session, I want to just talk about the foundations for freedom and uh, then begin to go back into that list of those things to be freed from. We'll have to start to have some altar calls and just believe for God to move. And second session, I want to just teach on bondages of the heart. And uh, I want to share some of the ways that our heart gets into bondage and, uh, and how you could recognize that. And what to do about it. And then we'll start to pray into some deeper areas that, for many of you, this will just to- it'll bring a release well beyond what you've ever expected. And uh, it's going to be fantastic. So first of all, I want to just look at, uh, I want you to come with me and we're going to look in, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. And I want to show you what Jesus did for us. And then we're going to look at what we've got to do, the part we play, because it's the part he's done but there's a, there's a part we play in working out our salvation, in journeying with Him. Just have a look, look in Colossians. Let's see if I can find Colossians. Uh, no, no, it's Philippians. It's Colossians chapter 2, and uh, in verse 13 and 14 and 15. Colossians 2, 13, 14, and 15. Now, we saw that part of Jesus' ministry was to bring deliverance to people. When you look in Luke 4.18, you see the full breadth of Jesus' ministry. It was to bring the gospel to the poor, to reconnect the people to God, to heal the brokenhearted, to deal with the issues of the heart that stopped us being intimate with God and intimate with one another, uh, to set the captives free, to, in other words, open people's lives and set them free from, del- uh, from evil spirits to bring vision uh, and direction for our life, to lift off oppression and uh, every limitation, and to empower us to live out our destiny. That's basically the message that Jesus proclaimed was his ministry. And yet so often the church has just limited it to preaching the gospel and praying for the sick, realizing there's a whole dimension of the spirit realm that we need to understand. And uh, I want to share a little bit more on that in in the session tonight and uh, get you activated again in your life. But uh, we saw in Jesus' ministry how everywhere he went, he confronted people who were demonized, confronted the demons, got the demons out. So you find a balance in his ministry of preaching the word, uh, healing the sick, and delivering spirits. And he made it very clear, it was an intention that his disciples operated in this ministry, so he empowered the 12, the 12 delivered people, he empowered the 70, they delivered people, then he empowered the whole church, he said, you know, go make disciples. He said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they'll cast out demons. So he expanded the ministry of deliverance to all believers. So why we would leave this ministry out is beyond me, except that we've just, something's been stolen from the church. It's time to have it restored back into its right place again. Amen? Amen. Okay, once you have a look with me in Colossians 2, I want to look first of all what Jesus has done and then how we apply it to our life. Because it's a very vital part of it. And otherwise you just get caught with the spirit dimensions and you don't have a, a strong base of what we're really trying to do and why we're doing what we're doing. Okay, so let's have a look. In Colossians chapter 2, and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. You're talking about what we were before we came to Christ. We were spiritually dead, disconnected walking according to the course of this world, under the influence of of demonic spirits. And it says, he has made us alive together with him. Now look what he's done. Having forgiven you all trespasses. All. All. That's all that's been in the past. All that's here now. All that will happen in the future. Having having forgiven. So at the cross, one thing he accomplished, he forgave all trespasses. Notice what else. And then he wiped away the handwriting of uh, of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. In other words, what he did was he took the list of accusations in the spirit world against you. Now, the spirit world, I can't develop it very much today, but in the spirit realm, there's a place called the courts of heaven. And there's a dimension there where the devil stands as the accuser you know in revelations 12:10 says he accuses us day and night before our god so therefore there's a dimension in the spirit where the devil acts as a prosecutor as an accuser and his work constantly is accuse us before god and so not only do we suffer that he accuses us in our mind and heart like Jurgen was sharing how He was tormented by this unclean spirit. But straight after the unclean picture would come in, straight after that would come the accusation, what's wrong with you? In other words, something's wrong with you. So the devil acts as an accuser. And he accuses you directly, reminding you of your faults and failures and shortfalls. And he acts as an accuser before God, demanding legal right to oppress you. So the grounds... For demonic spirits to gain access to people alive is always the broken laws of God. Wow. Jesus said, you know, the, the Bible says, uh, in the day you sin, you'll die. There's a consequence of sin. Wow. Now, and we sh- shared last night that, that ignorance does not, does not free you from the consequences of your actions. Right. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was an offering for sins of ignorance. That's right. Isn't that interesting? Why did they make an offering for sins of ignorance? Because there was a real impact spiritually on people of breaking the laws of God, even if they didn't know it, and it needed to be addressed, and God has got a way of addressing sin. So what he set out very clearly, is it's a very simple principle, and said, you are responsible for your life, for the decisions you have, you have a free will what to do with your life, but you have no choice over the consequences. There are always consequences for sin, yeah. but there's also a remedy for sin. Yeah. And yeah. so God has provided a remedy yeah. for yeah. sin. If yeah. sin gives the demons access to a person's life, God has provided a remedy. Yeah. And there are the part, of, part of the remedy is how to deal with the list of accusations that's against you. Yeah. So many people who have become a Christian find that for, for a lot of their ministry, their Christian life, They don't stand in a spiritual freedom. They live constantly, there's something wrong with me, I'm not good enough. They live actually under the law. They live under judgment, under accusation. And so notice it says that one of the things that Jesus did was he wiped out the list. Everything that has been written in the heavens or written or recorded by the devil against you as an accusation against you, Jesus, by his blood, canceled or blotted out the whole list so that and it says now notice notice what else he said he took it out of the way in other words it was against you and contrary to you so while there are things undealt with the devil can continue to come access you torment you invade you accuse you unless it is dealt with and so it says jesus took it out of the way so when he died he died as our representative taking every sin, every failure, every area of iniquity. He took it all to the cross. Now, notice in doing this, he disarmed or he stripped evil spirits of their power to harm us. See? Now, so that tells us that the power the demons have to harm you and to afflict you lies in you having a list of things in the spirit world against you. But if that's removed, then the power of the demon is taken away. It's got no place to anchor him, no place to lock him, no place to bite him. Amen. Having removed disarmed principalities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. So when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for your sins. There was a great cosmic battle taking place where he actually totally dealt with the demonic realm, and what it used as a weapon against us. He literally overpowered says, The Bible says, if the demons understood the cross, that have never crucified Jesus. Right. Right. See, they didn't understand what he was doing. But he acted as a representative for us, and when he shed his blood, his blood, the blood of a king, the blood of the Son of God, when he shed his blood, he legally made it possible now for everything against us, to be taken out of the way so we can be totally free from demonic power and have authority over them as his representatives. So when he died, we died with him. When he rose, we rose with him. And now we represent him in the earth. We have authority and dominion over evil spirits. So this is what he has done. But what do we have to do? So you will recall these. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. I'll just go on Leviticus chapter 16 and 17. And then I'll just spell out just what it looks like specifically that is our part in contributing to this journey into freedom. So if you look in Leviticus and the Old Testament, Leviticus, (coughs) and uh, we'll pick it in chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes atonement. The word atonement has the meaning of covering over or paying fully the price needed to rescue you from the power of something that's got hold of you. So whenever we use the word redeem, my Redeemer lives, what it means is it's the one who has paid the kidnapped ransom. It's the one who fully paid the price to set me free. And so Jesus said, uh, the Bible tells us very clearly that blood must be shed to deal with sin. There's no remedy apart from the shedding of blood. So in, in, in Exodus chapter 12, when the people came out of Israel, for example, what they did when they came out of Israel was they had to take the blood of a lamb and they had to apply the blood. Apply the blood to the lintel, apply the blood to the doorpost. Apply it in three places. Now notice what it says here. Let's go back into uh, uh, Leviticus 16 uh, verse 21. And it's talking about how sin is dealt with. Now Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, Confess, notice this, confess over it. So once a year on the Day of Atonement, high priest would go in, and every year he'd have to do this because this could never totally deal with sin, not like Jesus' offering did. Once and for all, Jesus' offering has done the job for us. But in the Old Testament, they had to go every year to do the same thing. And Aaron, notice this, he would lay his hands. That means he would identify with this animal, and he would speak over the animal three things. one the iniquities of the people of Israel, two, the transgressions of the people of Israel, and three, the sins of the people of Israel. Now, for most of us, we, we can't even begin to distinguish what those are. But it must be important if it's written in the Bible. In the New Testament, often it just uses use the word sin yeah. and use this kind of general word sin. But actually, the Bible is quite specific. There are three different kinds of issues wow. that the blood deals with. Uh, The first one is iniquities. Iniquities is the tendency; it's the crookedness that gets into a family line or gets into a person's life that tends to twist us away from God. It's the inclination towards sin. Iniquity is the root cause of the outworkings of sin in our lives. So, when iniquity gets into a family, there may be, say, adultery starts to run down a family line, and iniquity is in the family line—a crookedness a twist or a bent towards sin. So iniquity is the crookedness in our heart that inclines us towards particular kinds of sin. It could be a, a lust in a family. And so in a family line, you may find that generation after generation, there's promiscuity, there's lust in the family. So there's an iniquity of lust, there's a twist towards lust, and there's a familiar spirit that drives and powers it. Get the idea? So iniquity is the twist or bent towards sin. The blood dealt with iniquity. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. Bruising is an internal wound; you don't see it. Iniquity is an internal thing, something that just works on the inside, inclining us constantly towards sin. So, the blood of Jesus dealt with iniquity. Second thing was uh, it dealt with was transgressions. A transgression was a deliberate, intentional. Breaking of the law of God. That means when you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. A deliberate violation of the law of God. And so the blood deals with our deliberate going against what we know to be right. And the word sin in the Old Testament referred to sins, uh, uh, breaking the laws of God in ignorance. So you notice the three things. Breaking the law of God in ignorance. Breaking the law of God deliberately and then the root inclination towards a certain kind of sin. And notice that he confessed over them iniquities, transgressions, and sins. He brought the whole lot out, and the blood dealt with all of them. The blood dealt with all of them. Notice in the Old Testament, they had to apply the blood to the lintel, to the iniquities, to the doorposts, the transgressions, and the sins. They had to use God's remedy. You can imagine this. Imagine being in a family... And it's the night that the angel of death comes over the family, you would be real keen, Dad did this right. Especially if you're especially if you're the eldest son. Now you'd be really keen, Dad! Make sure it's got those spots in the lamb! Make sure you get all the blood. I don't think there's enough on that lintel. put some more up there. I mean, this is really, really important. If you're the eldest son. (laughs) And he'd be like, Dad, do a good job on this thing. And they'd all check the thing out. Make sure that lamb's got no spot. Jesus was checked out four times. No spot. Four different people checked him out. No spot, no fault. They gave a false accusation against him. He is truly the lamb without a blemish. And so they put the blood up there on the lintel on the side of the doorpost. Then they had to come in and stay behind the door or under the protection that the blood offered. And the angel of death could not help them. Now, we tend to use a kind of a term, well, plead the blood. But people often don't have a clue what that means. It's just a kind of a, it's like making the sign of the cross. It's just a Pentecostal version or you know, whatever (laughs) of, of the same kind of thing, you know. Rather than actually understanding, to plead the blood, really, it means this. I have faith that the blood of Jesus Christ has dealt with my iniquity, transgressions, and sins. There is no accusation against me. I stand fully, freely, and boldly in the presence of an almighty God. Right. No devil can touch me tonight. The blood of Christ covers my life. That's a very strong thing very important to learn how to apply the blood and you apply it by confession you have to declare and agree with it so you notice that although God made the provision for them their responsibility was to apply the provision okay. so now, if they hadn't applied the provision the blood would have done the job but because it wasn't applied it, would, it wouldn't have had any benefit for them you actually had to take God's provision we have to take God's provision. Right. We have to take what God has provided. So in other words, if you want to get free, you get free God's way, not your way. Yes. Okay? His way, not your way. You just want to come and, come, and come and lay hands on you and pray for you and fix you up. It doesn't work like that. I wish it did, but it doesn't. There's a part you play. You play. Okay? According to your faith, it must be done, it'll be done unto you. So now let's have a look at the part that we play. I want you to have a look with me quickly into... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What is the part I have to play? Well, you get an insight to it in the scripture here where it talks about setting people free. And then I'll list it for you specifically what your part is. Because I found many people want to get free, but they don't want to meet God's requirements for freedom. They don't want to get it God's way. You know, there's only one way to be saved by faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. There isn't any other way. You either take that way or you're not saved. It's as simple as that. And that's because God set it out that way.
1: Yeah.
0: You, di- you have it on God's terms, not ours. Yeah. Okay. Freedom comes on God's terms, not ours. Right. And uh, so the word saved, by the way, means not only to rescue some, it means to deliver them from an oppressor. So when we use the word saved, in the Hebrew use of the word sozo, it carried the full meaning to rescue someone, to deliver them from the hand of an oppressor, to heal them, to restore them. So healing and deliverance and salvation are all wrapped up in that That's word right. saved. It's all in there. I'm going to have a look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it says in verse 24, The seven of the Lord must not stri- quarrel or strive, but be gentle to all, able to teach patience, in humility correcting those who oppose themselves. If perhaps God will grant them repentance... So they may acknowledge the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, it's talking here about people being set free and the process of a person being set free. And you notice in this process, there is the servant of the Lord. We're told what's required of us to minister freedom. And so notice what it says, don't argue with people or strive with people or contend don't fight with them, but rather be gentle and teach people. That's why you notice when I do deliverance ministry, I take some time to do teaching. Yes. Because it's biblical to do. It's what the Bible tells to do. Very good. To lay a foundation of the word so faith comes up. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. okay, able to teach, patient. You've got to be patient. Sometimes people aren't ready for ministry. Wow. So the tendency is to want to run in and fix people up. Actually, no, I'm here to represent Christ. To bring you to Him, and He will do in your life what you are ready for at this stage. It doesn't mean everything is done. It means what you are ready for. So, in a group like this, there's some are right open, ready. I could have just jumped up, start praying for you straight away. Stuff going to happen, uh, and I have to discipline myself not to do that. I love to do that, but I've just disciplined myself over time not to just run in and do that because there are many who just need a little more time to understand what this is all about so that they can actually open their heart and respond to God. That's why I have to be gentle and patient. Me, <laughs> Get into it, claw people straight away. You know, get deep in screaming, you know. That's what I like. So I, I, you know. And I've been known to run amok in meetings and have hundreds screaming all at the one time. I can tell you now. So I've learned to just be a bit more systematic. <laughs> so... So, 2 Timothy chapter 2. So, notice here that there's the person who's trapped. And uh, the person who's trapped, notice it says that they are taken captive. That means taken a prisoner of war. Prisoner of war is a person who's engaged in a battle, but now they've been captured and neutralized. Many Christians have been neutralized. They're not on the aggressive or advancing the kingdom. They're actually being taken prisoner of war. Prisoner of war has got a limited amount of freedom, but actually they're still inside a camp and they're still locked up and they can't get out and they can't really go out and make their mark in the world. They've got limit, limitations around their life. They live in limitations all the time. Right? They're taken captive by the devil to do his will. So now We talked about that, how evil spirits, when they've got a doorway into your life, energize areas of issues in your life, energize sin, energize uh, 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 areas of brokenness, they create turmoil and increase the pressure and you wow. feel you can't break through or can't get free. Wow. So that's what they do. They, they do that. Notice how it says, it says there's a process here where the, where the person is taught and it says, and it says if God grants him repentance to acknowledge the truth. So here is core foundations to getting free. We have to come to repentance and acknowledging the truth. Okay? It's very clear. And that's something that God gives you. It's something that comes from the Spirit of God, touching a heart that's hungry, and you begin to see, oh my, what have I done? I just so hate that sin I've been involved in. I'm just turning from that with all my heart. Lord, I am so, so distressed at what's happened in my life and what's happened in my relationship with you. Lord, I want out of that thing, and I acknowledge the truth now about this thing. So, so repentance and acknowledging truth are the keys out of this thing. So I'll break it down and just give you it in, a, in, a, in, a, in some steps, some simple things that are a part of what that looks like. Uh, but this is there, to, and it says, and notice this, it says, if, they, if God grants them repentance knowledge acknowledge the truth, and they come to their senses. Now that word liter- in, the, in, the, uh, in the original Greek means they sober up again. Oh, wow. It's like a person who's been drunk. Now a person who's drunk is under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of drugs, their only influence is some kind of uh, a, a thing and so they don't think right and they don't have proper judgment they don't have proper balance in their life their life is out of control because of what influences in their life and it's saying here that when a person comes to repentance and acknowledging the truth they break out of that influence of the demonic spirit wow. and now see clearly and have a different perspective and judgments in their life any idea and so, so freedom is not about just us commanding demons and, and whatever. Freedom is actually about there being a turnaround for what you've been involved in, breaking free of the demonic and starting to walk with a changed life. So your head's clear and you say, man, I'm never going to go back into that again. That's not where I live. This is who I am. See? So let me just break it down then into, into some parts to what that might look like. And, uh, and I, I have found this is it's quite easy to remember this. But uh, let me just give it to you really quite simply. And uh, here it is. Number one, we need to recognize and take responsibility for problems in our life. need to recognize and take responsibility for issues in our life. So to, if you don't recognize you've got a problem, it's unlikely any freedom will take place. Wow. You, you, we need to recognize. Actually, I've got an issue. I've got something going wrong in my life. There's stuff here. There's a place I'm not free. I've got this thing that's turmoil. I've got this oppressing thoughts. So I seem to be struggling with this. Uh, this can't, see, normally we think that's just me. you says say, actually, no, there's none of this depression in heaven, so why should I accept it here on earth? And none of this torment in heaven. Why should, As it is in heaven, let it be done in my life. So we need to recognize, actually, I've got an issue or problem that needs I need freedom in. And when you take responsibility, it's my problem. A lot of people want to blame someone. Blame this one, I blame my father, blame my mother, blame this one, blame that. But God always holds you responsible for what's going on in your life? You say, well, it was the church. Yeah, maybe the church or maybe someone did something to you, but you are responsible for what's inside you. It's your issue. It's not theirs. And often deep unforgiveness, deep bitterness in people's hearts can keep them locked into something that yes. happened years ago. Yep. And, and their, their, their mental and emotional focus is what someone else did to me. And the bitterness and the hurt and anger and all that goes with that. And they can't realize, actually, what they did happened a long time ago. You've got an issue. Your issue is unforgiveness. It's your issue. Yes. You've got to deal with it. And, and people, but that's not fair. You know, it's so unfair. And so we say we have to forgive. That's unfair. You know, and because we're locked in uh, self-pity and locked in uh, the issue of injustice. And we're not willing to bring injustice to the cross and move on. So we've got a, a key to all freedom. You can't have authority at what you don't take responsibility for. Yeah. <laughs> I may get a chance to speak on another area uh, that every area that, you, that God has given you responsibility for where you fail to have dominion, demonic spirits will occupy that and use that base to give you a hard time. Think about that. So whatever God gave you responsibility for, if you abscond from your responsibility, something will occupy that seat of authority wow. and use it against you. Wow. This is why, I'll, I'll just give a hint on this one. But this is why many men live very passive and shut down because at the core they haven't understood and recognized and stood up in the spiritual responsibility God gave them. So a demonic spirit enters that office and uses it against them to keep them oppressed you, you got to understand, that's how it works. Either you're in the place God called you, and you're guarding and governing it, or something else is, and it's using it against you. It's n- There's never a vacuum. Something is always there. Okay, we'll just keep away from that for the moment. So, number one, you need to recognize... That, see, so we'll get it. Wives, I saw wife. <laughs> listen up, listen up. This is for you. <laughs> we'll get on, mate. we we'll get on to that. So, so just... If he doesn't take responsibility for it, don't try and push him. You listen, you get the tape on this one. (laughs) You know, don't don't go that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Moves into witchcraft, you know. So recognizing your need means just stop pretending, stop covering, just face what's there. You have what you have. If it stays in the darkness, you have no power. Bring it to the light. That's what I love about Jürgen. He just is transparent. About things in his life, and you know what happens? As soon as you bring stuff to the light, yeah. it just breaks its power. Yeah. Its its power lies in secrecy and darkness. Okay, so so you take responsibility means you stop making excuses, minimizing it. You stop blaming someone else. You stop thinking like a victim. It's not my fault. I just don't like this. I'm Irish. We all drink. You know. <laughs> you know, you kind of you sort of. You can't get into that sort of stuff. You've got to take responsibility, you know. know? (laughs) (laughs) know. (laughs) This is my red hair. That's why I'm so angry all the time, you know. (laughs) You can't use this as an excuse. Just call it what it is and face it. So I need to deal with my anger. Okay. So second thing is we need to repent of sin. We need to honestly in our heart repent of sin. We need to repent of sin. So in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever covers the sins won't prosper. If we confess and forsake them, we'll have mercy. Proverbs 28, 13, if we cover, we can't prosper. Wow. But if we confess and forsake, so covering, covering leaves you in bondage. And there is a covering God has provided. The covering he's provided is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's applied by bringing the issue to the light. Okay? If we walk in the light as he's in the light, then our relationships, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood cleanses us. You've got to be transparent about the issue. Just straight up, God's not condemning you, He's made the provision for you, He just wants you to bring come out of the darkness. If you hide, you can't prosper, because that's where demon spirits have their power. They operate in a kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. What's in the dark has power. As soon as you bring it to the light, a lot of its power is broken. Get the idea? So we need to repent of our sin. And, uh, and that means we just abandon and we've got to abandon what we were involved in now for many people that's a problem because sin's a great comfort they've got issues and stuff <laughs> secret stuff going on wow. and, and so it's a comfort to them and so we turn back to the sin because of a comfort it comforts us could it be alcohol could it could be all kinds of things we go back to comfort us. we've got to actually turn from it we've got to abandon finding comfort and refuge in sin and come and say God is this is a new life I want to live now I've got to turn right around and, and so I make a stand against it so, you've you got to stand against things. So, the, the third part of the third foundational pillar in the freedom is this, and that is I must release forgiveness. I have to release forgiveness to people who've hurt me. Now, this is a bit of an issue for people, but let me just give you a couple of scriptures just to help you understand this. When you've been deeply traumatized, suppose you're a very abusive family situation or you've been in a violent physical or verbal or, or sexual abuse, people are traumatized by that. And they've got to save themselves. And they're deeply hurt, deeply wounded. So one of the worst things you can hear or the most painful things you can hear is some Christian saying, Well, you've got to forgive. You know, you've got to forgive, brother. You've got to forgive. And you hear that and you think, Forgive? I think I'll smash you in the face. <laughs> you know, right now. And uh, because, because, yes, it's true that the person must come to the place of forgiveness. But often coming to a place of forgiveness is preceded by acknowledgement of pain. Acknowledgement of exactly how this has impacted me. So, so for example, if Jurgen said to me, "Hey, uh, Mike, look, I just uh, damaged something of yours and it's just broken. I hope you don't mind." And uh, I say, "Yeah, yeah, no problem at all." Now, you notice I haven't actually asked what it was. I haven't discovered what it was that he did. And uh, so then uh, I say, "Well, by the way, what was it?" You know. And he says, "Oh, oh it was just nothing. It was that pen you left me. I broke it." And I said, oh, "It's nothing. Don't worry about it." You know. So it's, notice it's a little thing, it's of no consequence or impact on me. But what if he said, What he said, well, you know, you let me have your house to live in, we had a bit of a fire and it's burnt to the ground, <laughs> and there's no insurance, because we weren't supposed to be there. Now, I'm dealing with a different issue. Now, what is different about it? The, the, the difference is the impact on me. Yeah. So, the impact on me has to be considered when processing forgiveness. Wow. And one of the problems people... Get stuck in as Christians is we kind of know you've got to forgive. You know, in the scriptures, he said, When you stand praying, forgive. If anything against anyone, you forgive them. Uh, if you don't forgive them, your father won't forgive you. And you see that, oh, blow, I've got to forgive. You know, I don't want to forgive, i forgive. I forgive. You know, oh, in Jesus' name, I forgive. Now, you, you see, it's, but, but it's not coming from the heart. The heart is still angry. The heart is functioning under law and it's functioning under grace. The heart's not free when it's like that. And so many Christians are stuck, and they say, I've forgiven it, I moved on. And actually you can tell from the tone of voice they haven't moved on at all. (laughs) (laughs) They're They're still stuck way back there, and they're still very (laughs) upset and angry and still reacting just like they were, like it's still alive inside them. The only thing that's changed is they've denied that they've got an issue. (laughs) But everyone else can see it, you know. (laughs) Everyone can can see it. And the problem is they think that they're forgiven, Because they said, I forgive in Jesus' name. But that didn't do it because in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus makes a very... I want you just to read this just uh, quickly with me. Matthew chapter 18, and it's the story uh, of the person of how many times should I forgive? And uh, you remember the story very well and about the servant who uh, was forgiven much and uh, forgiven millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars. He was forgiven, equivalent to tens of millions of dollars. And he was forgiven because the master was moved with compassion towards him. So because of compassion, not because he deserved it, because of the master's compassion, because he's compassionate, he released him. So he gave grace that flowed out of love and compassion. Okay? Now, the, the guy goes out, meets someone who owes him just a few bucks, and then he begins to throttle him and says, pay what you owe. And the guy pleads with him, and there's no compassion and so he judges him and puts him into prison, and it comes to the master's ears, and the master is told about this. And notice what it says: the master, verse thirty-four, was very angry. Why was he so angry? Notice it says in this, verse thirty-three: "Should you have had compassion on your fellow servant, as I had compassion on you?" So here's the deal: God has compassion because He's compassionate. He forgives us not because we deserve it, but because He's compassionate, and that is called grace yeah. but wh- if you want to stay in grace you have to extend grace to others
2: Come on.
0: so what he expected was that he would extend the grace he'd received to others not sit on the little offenses he had and so what happens then it says the master was angry notice this he delivered him to the torturers whatever that means doesn't sound nice does it you know you think of chained in there and your fingernails being torn off and burned and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's torturous. I know it's a sensitive topic in America, but there it is. Torturous. I don't think it's just water torture either, you know. They really knew how to do it in those days. See? Until he should pay everything that was due. So they're, they're just torturing him to extract what's owing. See, he's come under law. Wow, Come under law. Wow. He has to pay what's due. See? And now, so, so that's, we all know that parable, but here's the, here's the punchline that's really hard to walk away from. He said, so shall my heavenly father do to you. What? I thought he's compassionate. He is. It's just for you to stay in his compassion, you must live in compassion. Whoa. Come on. I just wanted to be forgiven. I don't necessarily want to forgive anyone else. I mean, what they did was really bad. You want to hear what they did, man? Give me a few minutes to tell you. See now, you understand the heart hasn't got free at all. And he says, and he says, my father will do to you if from your heart you don't forgive everyone each of his trespasses. And they use the word trespasses there—things uh, or faults against us. See, so notice now, I'm required to extend forgiveness. So sometimes there is a bit of a process in coming to the place of forgiveness. It's a decision. It's always a decision from your will to release the person from the debt they owe. You owe me. You've got to pay me back. You've got to say sorry, you know, or something, whatever it is. You know, uh, you know, wives and husbands get like that. They'll have a, you know, a, a silence no speaks. And a no speaks is really just a demand. You pay me back. You know, it drives the husband crazy. Kind of, What's up? Was anything wrong? Look. No! There's there's a heap of hurt and unforgiveness there. So you notice that sometimes what is needed is to sit down and have a think. How did, what happened to me and how did it affect me? I need to be honest with what I really carry in my heart. And if I find that there's huge amounts of grief and huge amounts of anger and I really am very bitter about what's happened, I need to come out in the open and process that stuff with God. And, and, And then... Forgiveness becomes effective because I now know what I'm actually forgiving. I know exactly what it is I'm letting go. It's my demand or right to extract justice from them, to extract punishment, to extract a repayment. I'm releasing my rights. I'm putting my rights at the cross. I'm letting Jesus deal with this. And so I will bless those who curse me. I'll forgive those who who despitefully use me pray for them can you see what, what you're called to do so sometimes uh, we're all called to forgive but it can be a process and sometimes the journey requires sitting down acknowledging before God and to yourself how deeply things have affected you and what we tend to want to do is to control the pain and block it into our heart right. and not admit how deeply this has impacted me wow. if you've got the fruit you've got the root wow. it's yeah. how it is and if you don't deal with the root, the demons, now you've got to understand, if you don't deal with the root, then the demons have a legal ground to afflict you. Of all the areas I have found that consistently invite demonic spirits to come into people's life, it's the issues of bitterness and unforgiveness. It just is an open door for demons to come in. If you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, you have an open door, spirits can come in and manipulate your life and affect your current relationships. So, your current relationships become polluted by what you've been in the past that you never dealt with. That's so why if you're getting married and you've got a history of some broken relationships with your parents or broken sexual relationships, you need to resolve them or you're going to reflect your baggage to your spouse and defile the marriage. You know Any yeah. idea? And demons use this, they write in on the back of that. Well, that's enough on that. Okay, so give someone a dig and so you, you need to listen to that one that was for you so sometimes when we're dealing with a person who's been abused you've got to actually take a bit of time to hear this story and let them grieve and weep and feel the pain and then allow the lord to come and heal the pain and bring the process of forgiveness uh, it is it's a bit of a journey sometimes I, fa- I encourage people write an anger letter sit down write a letter and write to the person acknowledge what's good about them, what you appreciate, what you value, and then write down what they did, how it's affected your life. Be really brutally honest, and then release forgiveness after you've grieved and felt the feelings of it. And, uh, but don't give, post the letter, whatever you do, you know. Don't post the letter, and don't even leave it lying around or someone else will post it. You know, just burn it up. We got to the end of it. It's, it's about you engaging your own heart, not about using it as a chance. I hate you, you know had people do that they come up yeah I've had a bitterness against you for three years I'm thinking really I'm so blessed you told me that (laughs) you know it's all I can do not saying, well I didn't feel a thing you know I've been getting on with my life (laughs) I usually just have to say I'm really sorry that you didn't process this earlier it would have been so easy to have saved yourself a lot of pain Okay, so the the, the next phase, uh, so pillars, recognize, take responsibility, repent of sin, uh, release forgiveness, and then renounce bondages in our life. We've actually got to learn to speak things off our life. We've got to use the power of confession, renounce bondages, agreements you've made with, evil spirits and various kind of things, uh, bitter judgments, inner vows. I'll talk about that next session. But we need to speak off our life what we came into agreement with. So if you come into agreement with an evil spirit, you need to speak that off your life. I break that agreement. I break that bit of judgment. I cancel my agreement with that spirit right now. And we need to break those things to speak it off your life. What you're doing is you're agreeing with God. I'm no longer in agreement with that devil. Devil, I break my agreement with you. I'm in agreement with God. I'm walking with God. Right? And so sometimes I've got to speak it out. And when you speak it out, You then make it effective. Remember, in the Bible, the first use of words in the Bible was to create something from the spirit world, to bring something from the spirit world into the physical reality. So one of the most powerful tools we have is our tongue to bring from the spirit world realities into our physical world. So you need to speak things off your life. Speak words of release. Speak words of forgiveness. Speak words of blessing. Speak, 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 speak. Learn to speak, declare, because Jesus... He's the high priest of our confession. He takes what we speak, and it starts to become effective in the spirit realm and manifest in the physical realm. Any idea? And then finally, we need to uh, uh, reach out in faith. You need to reach out in faith. There's got to be an extending my faith to believe that Jesus set me free. So if I will meet his conditions, he will help me. In James 4 verse 7, it says, uh, it says Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How, how easy can it get? You submit. That means the word is the word tasso." Hupo to place yourself beneath. Tasso to position yourself. So when it you use the word submit, it's a word position yourself in alignment with God under his leadership. So together you can do the next thing and get a victory. And the next word is resist the devil. The word resist is the word antitasso. So, tasso, position yourself under the leadership and authority of Christ. Antitasso, stand against or position yourself against the devil and his activities. You've got to make a stand. Make a stand. A stand for the Lord, reaching out to him, and a stand against evil spirits. And we usually do that by speaking, by our words and by our actions. So, those are the foundational things for being set free got it I got to recognize I got an issue I got to face it and take responsibility it's my problem even if someone contributed to it I still got to own it so I've got empowerment to start to address it and change it hey second thing I need to repent of any sin anything that I participated in that gave rights to demons to be in my life I got to get rid of it I got to acknowledge it confess it turn from it thirdly I need to release forgiveness. I got to make a decision I'm letting go and even if I have to work that out over a little period of time, God will hear my heart's cry, I'm letting it go today. Today i make my stand to let it go. Even if that has to be worked out over a period of time uh, and, and, and it's got some difficulties around it, nevertheless, God does hear that cry, today I let it go. Today I'm letting that judgment go. I need to speak things of my life, renounce bondages, agreements I've made. If I've come into agreement with any demonic power in any kind of way, then I need to renounce and cancel it. And finally to reach out. Jesus, you're my Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord yes. shall be saved. Yes. Jesus, I'm reaching out to you. Uh, otherwise, we tend to look and, and, well, I want Pastor Mike to pray for me. You know, and I, he prays for me. I'll get free. I didn't work. I'll go to Pastor Benny Hinn. He'll pray for me. I'll get free. And we start to jump from ministry to ministry and don't realize the real problem is not the ministry and their authority and power. The real issue is what you, your responsibility to align with the Holy Ghost. the idea? Come on, let's give the Lord a clap, shall we? Holy Ghost! We love you, Lord! We love you, Lord! Bless God. Well, we want to have a couple of altar calls. And uh, I want to just get stuck in down prayer. Get stirred. I need to get some demons out. Come on, why don't we just stand up, and start praying in tongues, and get ourselves wound up and stirred up and start to claw some demons? Why don't we get the musicians up and do that song we did again? That was, that was just such a great atmosphere comes with that song. And, and what I'll do is I'll just ha- have some altar calls. And each altar call, I'll just give a brief explanation of what it's about. If that's you, just come on up and put your hands up and say, God, go for it. You know, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and uh, what I'll do is I'll lead you through a prayer. And if you understand, the prayer is actually about acknowledging who you are in Christ, owning what's the issue, repenting of anything you need to repent of, forgiving, renouncing and claiming freedom and then reach out to the lord for your freedom no, don't it's not about someone laying hands on you. people get freed without even getting prayed for you know they just say whoa that's me i'm out of here <laughs> thank you come on let's just flow to that song sing that song then i'll have start to have some older calls we start to pray for people that it's such a great song i love the song get lost in it hallelujah don't you love them oh i love this jesus I love him so much. My Savior and my
1: deliverer. Holy, holy is he.
0: Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's worship him. Sing
1: a new song to him, his sits on. Heaven's mercy, see. Worthy. Worthy.
0: Just talk to your heart for a moment. I'm going to just name two doors of entrance. And if this applies to you, then why don't you just, as I talk, you just make your way to the front, lift your hands to the Lord. First one is generational iniquity. That's a, the Bible says in Exodus 20 verses 1 to 6, it says that if people are involved in idolatry, spiritism, engagement with wicked spirits of any kind, then the iniquity will be visited from generation to generation, for three to four generations. You see, the punishment, the punishment for idolatry was death. But if you kill the people, then there's no more generations. And so God spread the, the weight of the iniquity, the, the burden of this over three or four generations. And it was not, hey, this is a mean God. It's more, actually, God, in your compassion, you've spread the consequence so the generational line doesn't break out, doesn't, doesn't vanish. And so iniquity. And so uh, people have been involved in the occult or Freemasonry. Freemasonry starts off very simply, but it ends up with the worship of Lucifer as God. If you have Freemasonry in your background, your father, your grandfather, being involved in the lodge or being a female lodge, what happens is it opens up uh, uh, the areas of spirits of death come into the family. Uh, there are spirits of infirmity and sickness come into the family and there's emotional hardness coldness so the men are cold and hard and shut down emotionally and women feel hated they actually feel they can't come forward so a woman in a family where there's been freemasonry there's no love and intimacy it doesn't come easily there's actually a wall of hardness and coldness as a spirit comes against them And so if there's Freemasonry in your background, it will create religious confusion, difficulty in memorizing scripture and getting a hold of spiritual things. So if your family's been involved in any kind of idolatry or spiritism, then the doorway has been open for an iniquity to flow through the family. So have a think back in your family. You know, there are patterns that repeat generationally. Have there been spirits that come in and torment? Has, has there been breakdowns with adultery, generation after generation? Has there been hidden secrets and lust, uh, incest? You know, all kinds of things that go on in the family background. Has that been present in my family background? Have I been struggling? Has my family been struggling with that? Or maybe there's a pattern of sicknesses just comes down the family line. Maybe there's a pattern of premature death that so many people have died unexpectedly. You ever look at the Kennedy family? There's clearly a curse that's operating the Kennedy family. Just one after the other, just unexplained deaths. There's many families that are like that. Unexplained accidents, unexplained deaths, mental breakdowns, family and relational breakdowns. It's like something is operating like an invisible force. And, and it affects it. If, if for a woman, for women in a the family, there's been a cultic background or, or, or these kind of things from the occult. What she would experience would be problems with her womb problems, menstrual problems, growths, pains, miscarriages, all of these kind of things come often out of a... The Bible says in Hosea, those that uh, worship idols will cause the womb to miscarry. How about that? There's a direct connection between idolatry and the miscarrying from the womb, the inability to produce. It's a cursing that comes upon a family line. So if you find that you're infertile, unable to bear, it could be there's something in the family line. It could be a physical thing in your body. It could be something in the family line, a cursing, and in a moment of time, you could be set free. Maybe a second area I want to just talk about is the occult. Uh, People don't understand what that means. The word occult means covered or hidden. That's because the source of power behind the activity is concealed. So the word occult refers to two groups of activities. One is divination. Divination is fortune-telling, looking to spiritual powers to find the future. To find out about my how my life will go, will I be blessed? Will I ha- what will happen to me? And so there's a whole range of activities. You may have been involved in some of these. Uh, if you've been involved with an Ouija board and calling up spirits, then you've been involved with spirit of divination. Uh, if you've been involved with seances, calling up spirits, been involved in visiting uh, a, a, a seance or a medium, then you've got involved. If you've opened a direct door to evil spirits. You'd need to come up because you've made an alliance with an evil spirit. And so there's many, many avenues for divination, fortune-telling, trying to find the future by various ways. The other branch of the occult is sorcery. is magic. It's using spiritual power to change people or circumstances. And today's culture's full of magic. It's always been full of magic, just it's more open now. And so sorcery uh, is various kinds of magic, spells, charms, uh, calling on spirits, invoking spirits to do things to help people. Harry Potter movies are full of sorcery. So many of the modern movies are full of sorcery. One of the things that opens the door to sorcery that we found are some of the modern video games. Now, I'm not, I'm not against video games and games on the internet, but I have prayed. I was in a Bible school, Congi's Bible School, when a, uh, one young man come up in a word of knowledge and he'd been praying World of Warcraft and taken the role of a, of, a, of a witch, of a wizard rather. And so he was playing this 24 hours a day. You know, he was really addicted to the game and he was well into this identity of a wizard and he was gaining power by destroying people. But what he didn't realize, he'd opened his mind and imagination into the realm of the spirit and opened a doorway for an evil spirit to come in. And he was under a bondage to sorcery. When we asked them to renounce them the identity in the game, he manifested that day 200 students serving God, loving God in Bible school, but privately opening their lives through these games to sorcery and hatred and murder and bitterness. And they come up and there was massive deliverance that day. You've been involved in these kind of things and you're addicted or it's a bondage around you, then you need to come up and say, God, I want to be free of this thing. I want to be free of all these things, magic, sorcery generational cursings i want these things broken off my life in jesus name hallelujah that's what we're going to do now i'm going to get the musicians just to sing the song through one more time and while we're doing that i want you to quietly pray whatever you've been involved in just confess it and repent it to the lord name it name it Lord, I was involved calling up spirits. Lord, I've made covenants. I've cut myself and called on spirits. I've made covenants with demons. Lord, I've been involved in, in various kind of activities. Just name what it is. Just talk. Bring it to the Lord. Confess it to Him and ask Him just to forgive you and cleanse you. Just do that right now. After that, I'll lead you in a prayer and we'll start to pray for you to get you set free. We're ready? Okay, musicians. Holy, holy. Holy, <laughs> holy
1: sing holy, 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 holy is the
0: To the Lord right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to follow me in the prayer. You are reaching out to Jesus for him to deliver you. After we finish the prayer, you just begin to worship him. Keep your eyes on him. And someone's going to come along. We'll come and lay hands on you and pray to break bondages. When we lay hands on you, you just uh, stop praying. Stop praying. When we're praying for you, that's when you receive. And when we command the spirits, most commonly they come out by coughing or breathing out. uh, And you may just feel that you have to do that or whatever. uh, And there may be manifestations, may not. Uh, We're not worried about manifestations. You can get free without any manifestations at all. So I lead you in the prayer. You follow in the prayer. You reach out and worship the Lord. And when we come and lay hands on you, stop praying and just receive. Whatever's inside you, you resist it. It's got to go from you. You arise. This is your body, your temple. You take your dominion over it. Don't let that thing stay there anymore. Follow me in this prayer now. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. From every curse. From every evil spirit. From the power of sin and iniquity. I am redeemed. I belong to Jesus Christ spirit, soul and body I renounce now every generational curse all agreements my family have made with evil spirits with Freemasonry with sexual sin I renounce it now I cancel those curses in Jesus name I put the cross of Christ between me and my family line and cancel all curses. I forgive my family for opening the door to these spirits. And Lord every way I've entered into this I ask you to forgive me now. Satan, go from my life now in Jesus' name. Now let's begin to worship him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: I break curses of Freemasonry,
0: I break generational curses of Freemasonry. I break the curses, I break the agreements and covenants with evil spirits. I break the power of witchcraft, divination, fortune telling. I break the whole of spiritual witchcraft, I break them now in Jesus' name. I break them now, spirits of death,
1: spirits of death,
0: spirits of hell, tormented spirits, Spirit of hate,
1: go in Jesus' name.
0: I break your hold in the name of the Lord Jesus.
1: your name is power breath of living water such a marvelous mystery Jesus your name your name Jesus your name is power breath of living water such a marvelous mystery Jesus your name Your name is pound So oh. Power, breath of living water, such a marvelous mystery. Jesus, your name, your name only. Jesus, your name is power. Grace falls the grace falls down. grace falls you falls down. falls Your
2: give the Lord a great shout for what He's done, what He's doing. This, this is what we're going to do. I understand people are still being ministered and there's such a beautiful presence of God. And you know, you, you kind of put programs together and you put times and everything else, but we don't want to ever interrupt the flow of what God is doing. But what we are going to do is uh, just because there's a level of longevity that's required as well, uh, is in just a moment, we're going to be dismissed. We're going to have a 10-minute break. Actually, let's make it a 15-minute break, and then we're going to come back. This is not the last altar call. So if you came forward and you haven't been prayed yet, don't worry. Uh, There's going to be another one and another one, and then this afternoon, our 5 p.m. service, there's another one. In fact, the whole weekend is going to be filled. This is a freedom weekend. So, uh, so... uh, and don't be afraid. You know, I've, I, I, I think I've been up on about, you know, two or three myself. So uh, just just as the Holy Spirit leads, make sure you're responding. But uh, we're just going to just pray for the last, the last few people right now. Uh, let let uh, Mike and Joy get refreshed. Come back in 15 minutes for the next session. And, uh, and if you didn't get prayed for in this session, we'll make sure that you're the first to, uh, to get prayed for in the next session so uh, so, let's do that let's go ahead have a 15 minute break if you're still coming if you're still uh, out here just be sensitive with the fact that people are, um, are under the power of the Holy Spirit they're being set free they're being delivered just be really really sensitive if you can use the back door that would be ideal if you're, if you're kind of up go through that way um, obviously if you're on the ground just go this way but if you're up there that'd be great 15 minute break it is 11.25 let's come back at 11.40 for, uh, for the next session Praise God.